honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Before anything, like every anybody who is actually listening or anything like that, um, there might be people, believe it or not, that don't know who you are or anything like that. So do you want to go into who you are and what you do? For sure. Um, Dion Walcott, uh, the VP of brand partnerships for yellow brick yellow brick is a uh, e, e, I guess you go it's it's an education platform that teaches people how to get into their passion industries uh, sneakers streetwear hospitality um, fashion music are some of our core classes uh, what's really unique about what we do is we partner with top tier universities and then also partner with top tier uh, industry partners, marketing partners such as Complex, um, Team Vogue. Um, we've done some stuff with uh, Teamwork Online. Uh, why we've done really super well in the marketplaces, you know, education is changing so quickly and that people are not going to bricks and mortar the way they used to back in the day. And now they want things where they can learn at their own pace. And on top of that, learn about their passions. Um, we've been able to develop curriculum that does both. So, uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I do at Yellow Brick. Uh, super, been working inside of the sneaker culture for a long time. I also do something called Marked, which is art on sneaker competition. Uh, we recently just did something with the Cavs. Uh, so those are the kind of the two things that, that I play around with, education and passion points. That's fascinating. How'd you get into, how'd you get to the point you are? VP of brand partnerships. Like, that, that I'm guessing that didn't happen overnight. No, not at all. I mean, it, my story is super untraditional. Um, I actually, I think me and you spoke about it when you came to the office. I started off as a social worker. I was a social worker for about 10 years, working with uh, first-generation people going to university and also working with high school students. Um, but then the one common denominator for me, why I was really good at doing that job, was I always wore different sneakers every day. And uh, a lot of the kids, or I should say youth, um, looked at it as a language where they, they see me as, oh, Dion understands what's going on because he's wearing the same thing I, w- I was wearing. So I did really, really well as a social worker. But then towards the end of it, I started getting into something that I call compassion fatigue, where, you know, you see so much crazy stuff that you're, you're just so immune to it that your emotions are kind of frozen. Um, so then I decided to say, well, since I have this passion for sneakers, what else can I do with it? Uh, so at the tail end of my social career or social worker career, there was a job at the Bata Shoe Museum, which is in Toronto. And the job was to be the director of programs and partnerships for the first ever sneaker exhibition in North America. Um, I had a lot of experience in programs, but not so much in partnerships. But I got the job, took the job. Uh, while I was at the Bata, <laughs> for me, I looked at it as that was my master's in that I got to learn partnerships and how um, an elite institution works. Um, and then after I left the Bata, um, I was kind of a unique individual where I had museum 
knowledge, how to work with brands, how to develop partnerships, how to develop programs. So I started um, consulting for a lot of brands and institutions, trying to figure out how to drive new people into their building and also how to get younger people to purchase product. I uh, did that for about five years. And then the opportunity came with Yellow Brick. And uh, Yellow Brick was kind of perfect in that uh, it meshed two of my passions. One, lifestyle, music, all those things. But then education is always something that I was super uh, passionate about. Um, so myself, myself and Rob started off with a consulting relationship um, over about a year and a half I was consulting. And then I always had a passion to move to New York. The opportunity happened. And he said, you know, would you ever think about coming to New York? Um, I need someone to lead my brand partnership side. Um, and that's kind of how it happened. Like, obviously, there's a lot of pivots in the story, but um, I couldn't tell you that when I went to school, I was thinking about becoming a VP of brand partnerships for a, a startup company. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the story in a nutshell. You mentioned something in there that I want to dive a little bit deeper in. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, and I was listening to another podcast you talked about, and you were talking about like the intersection of like music and sneakers, and I'm, I'm fascinated by music, sneakers, and esports in that intersection. Can you like, just talk a little bit more about that? I mean, I feel like we're living in a time now that, you know, everyone's involved in one big culture mm. um, where it wasn't like that. Like, for at least for me, I'm 41. So I think, like, I think 20 years ago where it was like sneakers was a sneaker culture. If you're into music, you're into music. Um, if you're into fashion, you're into fashion. But now, like, there's so many intersections where, like, music intersects with sneakers because people are always wondering what they're going to wear on stage. Uh, fashion and music have intersections. So for, I really enjoyed diving in deeper into those intersections of culture and figuring out how to build communities around those because that's how uh, you start building unique products and programs. Uh, a perfect example, I did some work with a guy, um, his name's Manu, who's a, uh, he, he customizes dress shoes. And uh, you, if you were to see us, you would never think that we'd have anything in common. But then when you get into the meat and potatoes of it, um, I worked with a lot of customizers of sneakers, and he's a customizer of dress shoes. And then that's the intersection, because they both have the exact same skill set. And all of a sudden, what happens, you start to build a cool relationship with two cultures that probably would never, probably never get along, but then you find that common denominator. And that's what I call the intersection of culture. That's dope. I love that. When you talk about sneakers, uh, obviously you have a a massive passion for that, but it sounds like the passion for education and, and helping out the next generation and guiding them more than any anything and, and mentoring is something that you're very passionate about. What where does that come from? Is is it somewhere in your your upbringing, your childhood? Um, I mean, there's a couple different reasons. For myself, I mean, I didn't have it. Um, like I said to you guys earlier, for me to become a VP of a company, um, if you had told me that when I was you know 16, you, I grew up in a neighborhood that you don't really see those type of models of people. So I'm always passionate about like showing people no matter where you come from, you can make something out of yourself or follow your passion, your dream, whatever you want to call it. Um, It's just really being determined and figuring out what you really like and where do you want to go. 
and most importantly, staying out of your own way. Um, that's one thing I just grew up in that that era of people where I'm like always trying to figure out how can I give back because it's, it's less about me and it's more about the generations that come after me. Um, the next thing as well is like, you know, I, I just had a conversation with a good friend of mine. Um, when you look at someone like a Kobe Bryant or you look at uh, LeBron or any NBA player, what we don't realize is like that's their first career, right? So like someone who's playing in the NBA mm-hmm. or playing at a very high level of anything they're doing, um, that's that's their first time they're doing it. So what happens to the other passions? Like even even though they're amazing, you have to remember like they probably still need the mentorship themselves. So like someone who is playing in the NBA who's on the tenth man on on the bench. Um, just because he's getting a paycheck doesn't mean that he or she knows how to navigate the world. And in, in some spaces, um, people who are working normal jobs, I shouldn't say normal jobs, but not working in high prestige jobs or in front of a, a large audience jobs, have a lot more experience that they, we just don't get to um, pass on. So those are the two things that I'm always thinking about, where it's like I, I'm blessed to be able to do what I do. But I also know that a lot of people don't get that experience, so it's it's almost part of part of the whole thing. How do you give back? Because you can't always be about you only. Yeah, I, um, I love what you say about like representation. Like I, one of the biggest talks I did in my life, I wore a shirt that says "Genius from the Hood," right? And everyone's like, "Yo, like why? Why do you have that shirt on?" And like if you think about it, like we all have this idea of what genius looks like, or mm-hmm. what pretty looks like, or what smart looks like, you know, and it's. Like it, it looks like everyone, you know, it's everywhere. It's in all communities. So in terms of like youth that don't have a lot of role models that look like them, what, what advice would you give them? Uh, I mean, I find that hard to believe in, in this era that you don't have a role model that looks like you with social media because you could find it. I think it's more just around my advice would be find it. <laughs> uh, mm. The same way, like, you know, and I'm going to say this is going to sound funny, but like if you could find out how to to get the deep discount on a pair of Jordans or <laughs> find out how to get the plug at the Nike employee store, you could find out how to find a, a mentor that will help you. Right? Oh, yeah. So you put that because, you know, you, you put the energy into the wrong things or the things that you think are important to you. And I'm not going to argue that. But uh, that's part of what I'm saying. Get out of your own way where it's like a lot of these tools that have been developed that get abused, like social media, are actually great tools if you use them the right way, right? But a lot of the times we, you know, we invest in it in the wrong way. Like, you know, man, I, I know the Jordans are going to drop in March 20, whatever, whatever, but then you'll turn around and someone won't know how to find uh, someone who's doing something you like or how to find an email to reach out to somebody. So that's why I don't really believe that like in this day and age that you, you information is so accessible to people. It doesn't matter if you want to look for it. So I'd say that anybody who's trying to get anything done, just put some time in and figure out where that information is and go get it and get out your own way. I feel that I think with, I think it's my generation the most, but we, I feel like there's a, a commonality um, between us, 
our, my generation and almost entitlement. Like we feel like we're entitled to the, the VP of brand, or we feel like we shouldn't have to work from an entry level job to um, be the CEO or anything like that. And it, it's getting to, it's gotten to a point where it's obviously it's maybe hurting some big companies or anything like that. But I want to chat on how someone like battles, I like, like you took jobs to when you started right. that you knew wasn't, weren't going to be the end all. Right. right. How, how did you continuously tell yourself like, this isn't what I like, this is exactly what I need right now. I mean, the biggest thing, you know, is, is the language you speak to yourself too, right? So, like, you may be like, oh, man, why do I have to do this? This is shitty. Anytime I had to do a job that was probably less desirable, um, I used to figure it out from two ways. I used to say to myself, this is just an investment in myself. And using that language changes how you digest it in your brain. Because once an investment, you have to, you're going to invest in yourself and your role is to be the janitor. That means that you're learning something and when you're done being the janitor you're ready to move on versus like oh man i gotta work this shitty janitor job that that that's probably the biggest thing this to how you communicate to yourself what you're doing and then the biggest thing from like the neuter generation because everything happens so quickly is don't be scared to learn like it's the learning piece is like if you want to call it OG, that's the that's the oldest trick in the book where it's like you can instantly get something, but there's lessons in like taking your time and like doing the grunt work because the grunt work is where you're going to learn all the tricks of the trade. Um, the instant gratification is cool. You might get a check really, really fast, but I always say this to people that we work with, some of the students, it's not how quick you get a check, it's can you get the check 20 times over. It takes smarts mm -hmm. to get the 20 checks over 20 times. Yep. It's easy to get one check. Yeah, dude, I used to, when I, when I first started my company or before I started my company, I would like look down on people sometimes for like working like jobs, you know, like, which is super shitty of me, you know, like down there right. at Subway, like I'm going to try to build this company and I would put myself on this pedestal. Right. And it wasn't until I, I started my company and I'm like, damn, like I fucking respect the shit out of anyone just doing what they have to do because you learn so much about yourself. Like we just hired a videographer and like I get uncomfortable by his excitement sometimes because he's right. so excited to work mm -hmm. with us because right. he loves what he does. Right. And like that, that inner narrative, like that totally like it shows on the outside too. So I love that you said that, but I'd love to like just dive deeper like into the actual like the shoot. I was listening to your um, your interview on the K-Swiss podcast, and right. you said um, everybody thinks like when you're designing a shoe, the only the only role is design. So can you just talk about some other some other roles, some other what else goes into designing a shoe? Yeah, I mean like there's the colorist, the person like you could be a dope designer, but you have no idea what colors look good on your design. So like that's that's a, that's someone's role on the team, right? Like I'm amazing putting colors together, and me being the colorist right beside you who's the designer and and that together we become we become a team but the colorist probably is not going to be um celebrated right because no one sees that job um another one like 3d like 3d design the person who's going to actually take your your design and put it into a 3d concept so you can actually see uh where the mistakes are uh those are the two jobs that i'm always saying to people Pay, take some time and like think about it right because like 
there's millions of people who want to become a designer. There's not a million of people there who want to become a colorist. So yeah. like, if he wanted to be get in the industry, it's like, do you want to get industry or you just want to say you're a designer? Because nine times out of 10, when you get into any industry, not only the sneaker industry, you're going to be, you're probably going to be exposed to like other areas that you weren't aware were there. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, like I actually don't want to be a designer. I enjoy doing this, 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 and that. Um, and you know, that's what I think yellow brick is really good at exposing people to the broad strokes of an industry. So you don't dive in thinking like, you know what? I just want to be a designer. So if you take a sneaker course, it's like, there's, you could be a marketer, you could be a historian. There's a, there's a lot of things you can do. So from, from the design perspective, I'm always telling people like a colors is a pretty dope job. If you're into colors, 3d design is another one. Those are the two that I always come to my mind. I just had, uh, and I, I think I told you that I was going to have him on the podcast, but I just had Clyde Edwards on from Puma. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah OG. He, he, dope episode. We're going to have to do a part two because his he has so much he needs to talk about. And I feel like we only scratch the surface. But yeah. he was talking about how he really likes sneakers. Don't get him wrong. But the only reason why he's in this industry is the mar- from the marketing perspective. Like right. that's what he's passionate about. He right. said he has commercials. Uh, he has like menu items for Taco Bell still um, and, and like all in his head. And um, he's developed a passion for sneakers through his passion for marketing. And I feel like that is something that it, people, like you said, are obsessed with the design aspects so much that they forget that there's so many qu- cool other things like one of the one of the walls inside of our office in here is old old print ads and um i'm like i as soon as i bought those i was like i'm gonna look up old like sneaker print ads and just seeing how cool the advert advertising side of um this entire industry it was and is is something that's so dope to me but i want to go into i listen i listened to the business of hype with jeff staple um his last podcast was with jessica Washick of Nike and okay. she is a senior color designer. Gotcha. So I didn't even know like that was until listening to the podcast, I didn't even know that was a job available at Nike. And right. just right. like I feel like we need to do our due diligence, um, especially trying to get break your way into the industry. Um, we need to do our due diligence on okay, what is like you said, what what's all that goes into the sneakers, or what's all that goes into you guys just announced the streetwear portion. Mm-hmm. So what what all goes into that? And it's it's really interesting just seeing how much actually goes into it. Like Jessica went from a uh, nail designer, like she did designs on nails, mm-hmm. to now she's at Nike and designing men's footwear and, she, and like color on men's footwear and that's so dope to me nah, like, but it, it, go ahead but it makes total sense to me like that's what i mean like you go in and, and that's like the janitor thing right it's like oh you go in and you be a janitor you soak up all this information and then you find where the transferable skills are to me that's more that's that's the dopeness of like any industry these days um you know what i mean like someone could and we have a hospitality program and like my homie in europe just did a limited edition Jameson bottle. And it's like, that's his thing. You know what I mean? And it's like, he took yeah. the concept from sneakers, which is a, a limited edition sneaker, and applied it to alcohol. <laughs> right? Uh, but like, 
that skill set of figuring out how your skills are transferable, if anything, what today's marketplace has become is allowing you to do that in so many different ways. I love that. And like we are at ComplexCon in July and the, the same thing with Hennessy. They had a ComplexCon exclusive design bottle for and it was only available at ComplexCon. And that's so dope. Like like we said, like there's so many industries that intermingle or are running parallel paths to each other that if we just decide to kind of come together and say, hey, how can we approach this together rather than approaching it as individuals? Um, we Obviously, there's there's power in the masses at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I agree. What's something, you're, what's something you're excited about right now? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I'm really, really passionate about that I would love to see come to life in 2020 um, with on the yellow brick side is like starting to work with professional leagues and players to, to put the courses into their hands. Why mm-hmm. I say that is because, you know, Langston Galloway, a good friend of mine, he finished a sneaker essentials course and uh, it was mind blowing. He took the course on his own without actually mm-hmm. thinking about it. like without even us promoting it to him. He kind of just rolled up and was like, yo, I finished the course. Right. And then it got me to thinking where I'm like, yo, these guys, like I said earlier, they're still on their first career. And the way the markets, the marketplace is, is like they get sneaker deals. They get all kinds of crazy things coming at them. But like imagine being able to give them um, access to these programs that we have so they can actually get educated on things on a deeper level. Um, that's something I'm super excited about because I like to see more um, athletes or teams support the fans, support the community to learn things that they're passionate about. And then on the flip side, um, helping athletes or people that play at a, play whatever sport at a, at a high level to invest in themselves and start mixing up the marketplace from that standpoint. Like I love to see like a Langston Galloway at the end of his career become a VP at Nike. Like we've never seen something like that. Like I think that'd be that. super and- dope. Someone that's leading the way on that, I feel, especially in the NBA, um, people are considering him crazy right now is Spencer Dinwiddie with Brooklyn with his he's literally going live with the digital token. He's battling with the NBA, but like I know it's a different way of thinking, but the way like he's constantly educating himself to a point where he is. Um, I, I believe the last article I read on him was he hasn't even touched this massive contract extension that um, he signed with the Nets for. He's only been like living off his endorsement deals and he's learning about all these different industries. Like he, he's really involved into to cryptocurrency and blockchain and all these different things. And um, he's almost a misfit in a way. They said I was reading a couple of interviews of ne- former teammates and stuff like that. And when he talks to them, it's almost like a foreign language and they want to be involved, but they never got educated to the fact to the point where they know what he's even talking about. Um, and I feel like these athletes, um, and honestly, I feel like we are doing, uh, younger athletes and athletes that are professionals now and injustice and not showing, not giving them the education, um, to actually succeed. Yeah. I mean, and also too, like, I think that, I think we have in some sense, it's, it's, we haven't put it in front of them. Like the same way an athlete, 
it's very easy and seamless to get a sneaker deal, right? Like, it's not painful at all. It's what we haven't done a good job of putting these opportunities in front of them, right? Like, to say, like, hey, man, here's a sneaker deal. But also, too, like, here's a $1,000 course. Here's a Parsons education that you could take at your own pace, like 30 minutes a day while you're on the bus and you bang that shit out in, like, six months. We're not promoting that, right? Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? But, like, that's how easy it would be. And, like, I'm trying to take our hospitality and tourism course. And, obviously, I'm busy because you got a lot of things happening. But uh, I literally just chip away, like, 30, 30 minutes every Saturday. And, like, every time I read it for 30 minutes, like, I feel like I, I've learned so much shit. <laughs> like, I walk into a bar and I look at things completely different. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, think about, I just look at it from that angle, like, I'm not asking people to like invest hundreds of hours. It's literally a couple hours a week that you could bang out and you'd know more than the average person about the sneaker industry or the streetwear industry or fashion, hospitality, whichever, you know, vertical speaks to you. What other programs are you guys looking to get into in the next few months? Uh, the biggest one right now that we're driving is esports. Hey. <laughs> um, with no surprise, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, esports would be next. It's just exploding to the level of like people should be educated on how that actually comes to be and how it works. What does that actually look like um, in terms yeah. of education for esports? I think we're we're trying to figure that out right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest with you, like it's it's such a massive industry, and it's so new, and it's changing so quickly. But we know there's there's something to learn about it. Um, so right now we're just kind of in the infancy stages of like trying to knock on doors and, and get some interviews with execs, people who've been in the industry for a while, and just see where the industry is going. Then we can start to think about developing curriculum. Yeah, I love that. That's one of my biggest passions. I run a, a esports podcast. I think you guys are interviewing me actually, so oh, wow. it might get weird in there, man. <laughs> I can imagine, man. It's cool. Like you guys were talking about athletes though. And like on the esports side, like, like there's just a level in, of intelligence. Like a lot of these guys too, that um, like, they just don't, they, they don't have access either. Like they're not getting the tools that they need. They're being taken advantage of because it's a wild west right now. So I just, I'd love to see these tools um, given to those athletes as well. Yep. That's the best thing, you know, like um, that's, that's always the best thing. Like I think that's really cool nowadays that like information is so accessible uh, yeah. about everything. Right. Um, so, and the fact that we were calling like people playing games, athletes, I think that's super cool. Uh, mm. But it, it just, it, I'm interested to see how far it's going to go. Dude, don't get me started on that. I'll read yeah. about the future all day, every day. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to oh. hijack the show, man. <laughs> I love what you were saying earlier just about like kind of um, like using your passions and seeing how your skills are transferable. I was talking to um, someone on my esports podcast and she was saying like if you think about like let's say the Milwaukee Bucks like there's sales associates or something like that more than likely they play basketball their entire life you know but they didn't just look at basketball like yeah I want to go to the NBA that's the only option that's all I'm going to do but how can I use my other skills and skill stack 
and get into an industry that I love. And she was talking and uh, relaying that back to esports. And like same, same goes for shoes. And I just wanted to echo that because I think that's that's so important for those listening. Like, um, use what you have and, and stick with your passions because you can be so much more successful in the long run. Well, here I'll give you guys a story where it's like kind of crazy. I watched this happen because a good friend of mine, his uh, his son is twenty five, his daughter is eighteen, um, and he he had a real hard time with this at the beginning until she actually figured out how to make money. His son played sports, well, played basketball. He was a big sneaker guy. Um, she was really good at math, his daughter, but she also loved the camera, right? But he came from a very traditional background. So he's like, math will get you a job. A camera will never get you a job, <laughs> right? Yeah. So her, her brother was playing in college, and he'd always play in different sneakers. He'd get custom sneakers made, yada, yada, yada. So she'd go to every game and she'd pull out um, her camera and take pictures of him and his sneakers and action shots and whatnot, right? And then because of today we live in this Instagram era, she ended up being like his official photographer for his oh. Instagram, right? Um, and then eventually all the other teammates were like, you think you could take pictures for us? Because you're nice, you have, you have a good eye. Then she started charging people $50 a game. <laughs> right and so next thing you know she's making you know 250 a game and then other people are hearing like oh she's she has a service so all of a sudden now that's her gig like she's going to basketball games and is taking pictures every weekend and probably that's making dope. 250 to 500 dollars on a weekend and then to go speak to her father and be like well dad listen math ain't getting me paid <laughs> <laughs> right but then her father having the, the knowledge to be like, wow, like if I support my daughter's passion, she's she's figuring it out. For me to suppress that would be the wrong thing to do. You know, and there's two sides to that. There's, you know, the parents, because we're, we're in a time now where like the marketplace has changed and like passions are really being accepted and being a creative, you can actually get a job. And it's it's a big job for a parent to be like, you know what, the traditional working at a bank, maybe that's not for my kids. Um, and creative creative spaces are being able to be accepted more. Then there's a the flip side of like a young person trying to figure it out. We're like, okay, let me just figure out how I can make this a living. You know, and, and those are the things that excite me the most because I feel like, you know, not to go too heavy on you guys, but as a society, that's, that's when we're getting to a better place because the more people are doing what they love to do, the better the society is to live in. Agreed. Agreed. I think uh, to build off of that, I think it's interesting. I My family comes from a very traditional background as well. So um, it was interesting going to school and getting this job right out of school in sports. And everybody thought I was like almost on top of the world. Like, oh, he's doing exactly what he said he'd be doing when he was eight years old. Right. Only to a year and a half, two years later I, to quit my job and start a company um, and I was considered a failure, uh, because I wasn't using that degree. And it was, it's interesting now seeing like now that everybody's seeing, um, some, a little bit of success coming from it there. I have cousins that are now in college or like uh, their parents are telling them like, Hey man, make sure this is actually what you want to be doing. And it's just, it's interesting seeing that shift from afar and seeing like parents becoming more open-minded to the fact that, Hey, maybe 
maybe this degree, maybe your kid doesn't have to go to in, in finance and make six figures or all these different industries that were said like, Hey, you need to go to college. You need to get this degree and you're guaranteed X amount of dollars. Um, and it, it's, it's just interesting seeing that, that shift happen in, in real time. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's enjoyable to see, um, us supporting people's passions. And then there's just a world of opportunity, you know? Um, so exactly. yeah, I agree with you 1000%. Dude, it's crazy how people make money these days. Like oh, think about it. Like someone like made a fork, you know, and like they're just, they're set for life, you know, like it's just freaking <laughs> insane. Like we could sit on a computer and just stream ourselves and I'm make money. You, it's, it's like, it's, it's cra- so like, freaking it's, insane. It's, it's crazy. Um, how much things change so fast. Um, but at the same yeah. time, it isn't because it's like, no matter what you do, there's a couple of things you're going to have to be patient to make that shit work. And I'll, we, like, we were on a couple podcasts a week ago with one with Dwayne Edwards, one with another friend of mine, Alexander John. And we were just like, we feel like patience is not really valued the way it was because everyone's just wants things to happen so instantly. But uh, another thing is we always see the end product. So I don't care how quickly you get it, but it took you some time to get there. Do mm. you think that's changed though? Like I was, I don't know what I was looking at. Like, like we always get shit on like our generation. Like I, I will be the first person to tell you, like a lot of people in my generation are idiots. Like I'm an idiot too. Like, like, fuck it, man. Like, uh, yeah. But I figured out and like, honestly, like I feel like we just have so much, like everything's exposed now, you know, everybody has a voice now, but back then, like, I feel like people are like, damn, I want to be a movie star, you know, like I see them on the TV, like shit, I want to be there. Let's go. I feel like it hasn't changed. We just hear more of it. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, no, it's, it's... Sorry, that wasn't a question. I'm going to, I'm going to speak down. <laughs> I think it's funny, like even with all these different platforms coming up, right? So like TikTok's huge right now and it's, it's cool seeing, I've been on TikTok just doing shoe stuff for a while now and just seeing that shift go from, Hey, this isn't a platform. This is a platform for nine to 15 year olds to now uh, chance of rappers dancing, like all these different, like there's brands on there. Puma just did a massive, uh, and they're still doing a massive campaign on the platform. Um, and there's this one 15 year old girl with 30 million followers. that's probably making more than all three of us combined. And it, and all she does is dance. And it's crazy. Like we said before, it's crazy how people make money, but it's also the fact how, how the internet and how tech has changed our environment. Like my grandparents still don't understand like what I do. And I've explained it to them like 10,000 times, but they still don't understand. They just know I'm not a drug dealer and they know that (laughs) I'm good. Like they, that's, that's what they know. And that's, it's, it's crazy just seeing how fast everything's going. And if you're not constantly educating yourself on that, you're, you're going to be left behind. Well, here's, here's something, you know, that I, that I always speak about when it comes to, especially the work we do at Yellow Bird is I think there is, there's a, there's a wide gap between online and offline and online is, is, is just dominating because it's very easy to build a community online globally. You don't, you could be in your living room and connect with everyone in the world. When it comes to like your actual skill set, um, there's still a lot of value in doing something offline because you only can learn something. You only can learn so much online, I believe, until it becomes practical. Like, 
take our sneaker course. It's amazing. You learn a whole bunch of shit. It's great. But then you're going to hit a crossroad where you're like, now can I actually put this into like a practical sense? Can I work with other human beings? Those are the things that I think will never change um, that are super valuable. I think the people who can navigate both sides of it, online and offline, um, those are the people who will literally go through the sky. Exactly. I, so it's crazy. I decided to take your, the sneaker school program not because I wanted to be a designer, not because I wanted to get into the industry, but more of like, I wanted, I knew I was passionate about sneakers, but I knew I'd, I needed to know more to, to do what we're doing right now, to sit down and have a conversation with somebody that's been in the industry for years now. Um, and to have an intelligent conversation. And, and I feel like, I don't know, even, even some of the people in the sneaker school group that I've talked to, um, they just assume that I, okay, I got this certificate. Like what, like when do the jobs start coming or when, when, like, how do I apply this type of thing? And until you have like, one of the things that I set out in the beginning was, okay, I knew what my goal was, right. I knew I was going to sit down and sit, sit down with people and have intelligent conversations about the industry and a bunch of other different things. Um, but just almost giving myself that goal helped me to, see my education in a different manner so that I can, I can go through with everything that we've been doing. And well, I feel like just setting expectations at the beginning was huge for me. No, for sure. Like I'll give you guys an example of this is what I mean. I was, uh, are you guys familiar with pencil, uh, pencil design yeah. academy? I'm, when it first started like about a while ago, I remember Dwayne telling me a story about, you know, there was a kid, he was an amazing designer. He could draw out of his ass, and he was really, really good. He was amazing. Um, then it was a 10-day class. On the sixth day, Dwayne cut the power out, right? Um, and that was a trick that he used to do. Like, just now we're going to see you're an amazing drawer, but do you have the grit, right? Like, because now the power is out. Now what do you do? Is the day done? And he was like, the kids, there was about three kids who weren't as strong as a designer, as this kid, but all of them took their cell phone out and continued to draw. And they put the light on. The kid who was super, um, super talented, but just broke out. Oh, there's no Paris time to leave. My point is, is like when you have to transfer your knowledge offline, it's those three kids that figured it out with the grit that will become the stars in an industry. So talent really has not too much to do with it. If you're only going to take something and leave it in your mind and not try to practice it offline. Because, mm. like, it's competitive. There's a lot of talented people out there. Where you're going to get your grit and where you're going to get, you know, the patience and the perseverance is always going to be offline. Yeah. Can you Do you think that, that that grit, do you think that's something that you're born with or that's something that we, we kind of have to learn as we grow? Uh, I mean, I feel like everyone's different. Some people have it naturally. I think once you really, really want something, that's when you figure that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like when you really want some shit, man, it, the, you have no power in a building. You're going to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like if, you, if you're like, all I want to do is do this. That's why I always say get out of your own way. You'll figure out. Like that's, I can figure out that solution. 
Dude, I feel like that's an issue with a lot of people. Like, they just don't either know what they want or they're just doing things to impress other people. Like, I want to be a sneaker designer. I want to whatever, you know, just because I want to be in the NBA because it sounds cool. But what do you actually want? You know, like, I look back at all my old jobs. Like, I was a terrible employee. Like, I did the work, but, like, <laughs> I, I went home. Like, I, I didn't do shit, you know. But, like, now, like, I don't care what happens. I don't care, like, how much money we lose. I don't care who quits. Like, I'm going to figure it out because I love what I do, you know. So I, I feel like people just don't take the time to explore sometimes and actually figure out what they want. You know, and this is on the yellow brick side again, like what I've learned being so close to the process of the classes and some of the students, a lot of times it's not that they don't figure out what they want. Um, I think there's not a lot of tools for the things that you may have liked when you first started working. So mm. like you talk to someone who works at a bank and they're, they're at the top of the totem pole, you know, they work on Wall Street and they have all these crazy accolades. And then you ask them, like, yo, do you like your job? They're like, yeah, I, I make good money. That's not an answer, though. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I make good money. Oh, so what, what was your passion? Yo, in high school, I used to love sports. Or, yo, I used to love fashion, but I didn't know how to get into that shit 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I started to work. And then once you start tasting money, you built a career. And now I feel like now in today's marketplace, people are really valuing their passions because they're figuring it out like man i could work at the bank for 100 years but i may not be happy let me jump in this course and even if i take it part-time and i come on my own fashion line just for me and my friends that feeds a certain part of me i don't think that was there along like my mom she didn't have that the idea was get a job that's secure um and provide for your family never mind your passion yeah, that's true. Do you think that's that's the future? Do you think that's going to change at all with the evolution of technology? Is it always yeah, going to be yeah. passion-based? Yeah, I don't think it's always going to be passion-based, but I think that, um, you know, people are going to be working towards always having something that they're passionate in their life. Um, and then I also think that employers, the smart ones at least, you know, will start to empower, support their workers with, like, Courses like Yellowbird, being like, you know what, if you work at uh, wherever, you know, Bank of America, what we'll do is we'll invest in you taking uh, the Sneaker Essentials course because you're 25, you're a bank teller, but we know you buy every check you buy a pair of sneakers, right? Mm -hmm. It's probably going to help you retain this young person to work at the bank for much longer if you're investing in their passion. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I think that's where the shift is going to come. Like there was no sneaker essentials course when I finished school that Mm -hmm. like when I used to work at Sony, one of my first jobs that like Sony would be like, you know what, you're working hard. Here's a thousand dollars for professional development. Um, Take this here. Here's a class that we that we have a partnership with Yellow Brick. You can take any of these series of classes. I'd be like, man, shit, I'm all over that. And I'd probably work harder, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So that, that's, that's where I think there's going to be a big shift. You know, retention of people in the, in the marketplace is like you have no choice but to at least support somebody's passion if they're going to work hard for you. Passion, sorry. Yeah, one of our employees um, pulled me in to like our conference room yesterday and he's like, I love it here. And it's the first time, like, I'm, 
I feel like I'm working towards my goals too. And I feel like the mission that we're on, like if we get there as a company, if we get there as a group, if we get there collectively, we all get where we want to go. And I fucking love that. And like, dude, like that's, that is the best feeling in the world, man. Yeah. Like the best feeling in the world. And that's the biggest compliment that we as 26 year old idiots could build, nah, <laughs> build something man, you like that. You guys aren't so. idiots. You guys are smart. If that's what people are saying, <laughs> you're doing it the right way, man. It was so dope, Dion. Like when we first started, we we hired three interns, and right. we just needed some help on on the side with some stuff. So um, we had this this kid. His name's Kenny, finishing up school this year. And Kenny came into the office once, and we had all team meetings all the time. And um, obviously, like if the interns couldn't be there, it's completely fine. Like they have school and everything. But Kenny always made it a thing to to make sure he showed up to these meetings. And I. I asked him, like we asked him why once, and he said that this was the first job that he felt like his voice was heard. And even though he was an intern, he felt like he was almost an equal to myself, Q, and all the other co or the other two co-founders and the rest of the staff. Right. Um, he felt that his voice wasn't muted, and he was working for big organizations at the same time that he didn't have that same feeling. And I feel like. Like something as simple as just hearing someone out can go such a long way. Like kid always like whenever we have something that we're throwing an event or anything like that, he wants an invite. Like he's constantly supporting because he knows that his voice is going to be heard. Yeah, no, for sure. That's uh, and, that, and I think, you know, that's that's principle of retaining or just being good leaders. So kudos to you guys and creating an environment that he feels like he's heard. Um, but that, you know, that's, that, those are tricks to the trade, right? Like those are things that like as leaders and disruptors of industries, those are the little tricks that, uh, people buy into, you know, your company or they buy into your brand. Um, those are, those are, those are cool moments, man. You guys should take your hat off for creating an environment like that. Appreciate that. For sure. So, so what's next for you, Dion? What's, what's next and what, what do you want to accomplish within the next year, 10 years? Um, oh, that's a heavy question, man. <laughs> um, what I would love to do is, you know, I'm really in liking the yellow brick side and giving people access to the information. I would love to create the next piece to that where Izzy takes the sneaker course and the extension of that is now, I don't know what it's called, or maybe it's through Yellow Brick. You have an opportunity for me to help you, not me or a company, to help you get landed in the industry. Um, I think that's my next passionate part where it's like I love to see people all the way through and create that pipeline. So by the time I'm 50, I could look up and be like, yeah, I remember when that kid started the online course. He got a job with Herschel and now he started his own business. Like then, then I've actually really, I've done the work that I came to do. Yeah. Mad respect, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, I, I guess that that's, I'd be super passionate about that. I played sports for a long time and I think that uh, athletes get that exposure and get celebrated when it comes to people who are creative or clever as I call it. Um, they don't have the same platforms to be to be exposed to opportunities. So I love to see just create another platform where like creatives are getting celebrated the same way that athletes are. I love that. I love that. I think 
the the biggest thing I we chatted about it earlier, like with just following people through and watching people like they get done with the program and now and like now what? I would love to see um you and the team kind of follow those people's journeys as like, hey, I, I took this program on a like a a dime and a nickel and I, I said I, I'm gonna do this and now look at me, look at where I'm at. And I think that's so dope. And I think something that you guys are doing correctly um, is like every employee while I was there for maybe an hour, like it just seems like every employee knows the mission and is like in on the mission. Like, sure. um, obviously I work with Kristen back and forth more than anything. And she left a company like Everlast to come join you guys. And she is 100% down with the mission. I think that's so dope. Like when you can get somebody to the point where they're like, all right, yeah, I'm, I, I'm going to leave this, this almost like, cushy job to now um i'm le- i'm leaving because i believe in a mission i think that says a lot more than just like hey we're an organization it says like hey this is a movement this is something that we we believe in and all of our employees believe in it as well so i love that you guys are looking so far ahead that you guys are looking into the actual um following people through not just the getting the certificate, but let's get that job for them. Let's get them into different positions. Let's get them podcast guests, stuff like that. I I think that's so dope, but obviously I don't want to take too much of your time on this Tuesday morning. So I got one more question for you. What makes you strange on purpose? Um, You know, you asked that question the first time when you, when you were briefing me and uh, I I struggled with it, but then I thought about it. I was like, what makes me strange on purpose is, uh, I run to I run to the actual uh, weird feeling versus fighting against it. So like I've trained my brain to say, you know, man, could I move to New York from Toronto? It's like fuck it, I'm just gonna run right into it, and and that's become an exercise of mine. I think a lot of people like you find the reasons why not to do something versus like. Just run into it and figure it all out, man. And actually, the more you do that, people start to think you're crazy for doing it. But it's actually the right way to do it. It's like, never mind all that getting in your head between the space of thinking about doing it and not doing it. Just do it. You know, and if that makes me strange on purpose, then I'm fine with that. I love that. Love that, man. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. And lastly, I know you said lastly, like, where can people check out more? Um, where can they keep up with you? Um, the easiest way, I mean, you know, social these days, everything's pretty simple. I keep it Dion Walcott, D-I-O-N. Social these days. Because it just feels like you give someone your phone number, they're like, man, shit, what are you giving me your phone number for? Give someone your email. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, no, seriously, yeah, man, you give them the email, it's like, it's too formal, too business. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, here's my social. And it's like, oh, which one? LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's, it's so funny, but you get, you, you meet somebody like, who's like the VP of marketing for the Nets. And they're like, here's my email. And for you, for me, it's sometimes it's funny. Cause it's like, man, shit, I don't know what to do with that email. Are you going to answer me? <laughs> <laughs> like at least social, I could be like, yeah, he's act he or she's active. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so it's like oh, I know you've seen my shit because you're on there posting shit all the time you know what I mean email you're like okay sure I'll email you but you know but yeah social is probably the easiest way to hit me and just follow 
what I'm up to on the personal side, on the, the work side, um, yellowbrick.co, you know, we're always doing cool stuff on the website and everything else will, will lead you to whatever information you need to get. Oh man, well, we will put all that in the show notes. Seriously, appreciate you coming on, man. It's dope to meet you. Nah, yeah, no thanks, problem. Dion. I appreciate it, man. It was a good conversation. I hope you guys had fun.